Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. My friends, during the days of Joseph in Egypt, the children of Israel came to dwell in the good land of Goshen, part of Egypt, through the provision of Joseph and the invitation of Pharaoh. Genesis 47 verse 27 tells us, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. After a period of time there arose another pharaoh over Egypt. Actually, it was the beginning of another dynasty, one who the Bible tells us knew not Joseph. He became concerned with the growth and the prosperity of the Israelites in his land. If we turn over to Exodus chapter 1, we'll read verses 10 through 14 and see how he chose to deal with them. The passage tells us, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that, when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. My friends, when the children of Israel began to cry out because of their afflictions, God raised up Moses to lead them out of their Egyptian bondage. And this he did. Moses led the people for a period of approximately 40 years, leading them through the time of the wilderness wandering, and bringing them to the very border of the promised land. Moses himself was not permitted to enter into the promised land because of sin. But God chose Joshua to assume the mantle of leadership and to lead the Israelites into the conquest of the land of Canaan, the promised land. Joshua functioned as the leader through the various campaigns that gave the people the land. After Joshua passed away, The Lord raised up judges at various times to rescue and lead the Israelites who were being oppressed by one or more of their neighbors because of their rebellion against God, usually in the form of idolatry. That was how God handled it and it prevailed for close to 400 years with Samuel being the last in that line of judges. We'll go now to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and read verses 1 through 7. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. The passage tells us, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, 
that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the things displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. I'd like us to notice closely that last statement. They have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. What had happened was this. Even though Samuel's sons were not what they should have been and were unfit to be judges, God had always provided what the Israelites had needed, and that had not included an earthly king. The Israelites were no longer satisfied with God's plan for them and sought to substitute their own plan. In so doing, they were rejecting God. I'm sure that was not their conscious intent, but that was what they were doing. And their request for a king like the nations about them, they were taking the examples of their neighbors as their standard instead of the will of God. It really makes little difference what the particular issue might have been, whether who would rule over them or a matter of morality. Either way, when they took the nations instead of God's will for their standard of conduct, the sin was basically the same, a rejection of God. God never forces anyone to do what is right. He allows always the exercise of freedom of choice. If people are determined to follow their own path, God will let them, even if it means that they will be lost. That is what happened in this case. However, even as God was allowing their exercise of choice, he did not just let them go without warning them what would happen. Looking at verses 10 through 18 of the same chapter we read, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands, and captains over fifties, and will set them to hear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. 
and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Even after that kind of explicit warning, verses 19 and 20 tells us, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Well, the Lord let them have their king, and it came to pass just like Samuel had warned that it would. Even in the zenith of its power of the United Kingdom, Solomon did exactly as Samuel had said the king would do. While it may appear as we read the accounts of Solomon that everything concerning the United Kingdom went pretty well during his reign, when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, came to the throne, we get an indication of how things had been for the normal citizens of the United Kingdom. With Jeroboam as their representative, the congregation of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam in 1 Kings 12. In verse 4 we find, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. Oh, he answered in verse 14, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Just as God had said, things went from bad to worse until finally, the kingdom having divided because of the stupidity of Rehoboam and his counselors, both the southern and northern kingdoms were taken into captivity by foreign peoples used by God to punish them. The northern kingdom never to be reconstituted. The lure and the appeal of the world around us has always been a danger for the people of God. As it relates to the Lord's church, all we have to do is look at the Christian church today to see what happens when people who at one time followed the pattern set forth by the Lord begin to add to that pattern in an attempt to be like everyone around them in religion. They brought in the instrument because they wanted it like their religious neighbors. They added gymnasiums because their neighbors had it. They added all sorts of recreational activities because their neighbors had it. And on and on we could go until they are nothing more than a man-made denomination, just like their neighbors. In the denominational world, women are more and more taking positions of leadership and authority, and we are hearing rumblings of such even among those who are members of the Lord's Church. The religious world around us have given themselves over to displays of emotionalism, applauding and cheering and dim light and round-robin praying and that is happening more and more in worship services. The appeal to be like our religious neighbors is very strong for some, especially as they push against what they perceive as too limited restrictions, what they like to think of as Church of Christ traditional methods of establishing authority. And thus the latest fad is a refusal to exercise discipline, a decidedly relaxed atmosphere in worship making the Lord's Supper a part of a common meal, even allowing the women to testify before the congregation and a host of other things. The desire to add to God's pattern for the church, indeed in many instances to abandon it, is there. 
even though God has said in Second John 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. A basic principle of God's word is found in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, which tells us, For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. The standard by which the church is to be organized, by which it is to work and worship, is God's standard, not that of our neighbors. Any time a change is made to be more like those around us in religion, what it amounts to is a rejection of God. However, my friends, the idea of wanting to be like everybody else, the idea of making the standard of the world our standard instead of God's, is not limited to the religious realm. Those things we do collectively as members of the local congregation. No, it is much more broad than that, and it manifests itself in so many ways. We will simply mention a few obvious examples. What about dress? There is no doubt that there is a standard of appropriateness of modesty set forth in God's word, hence God's standard. We find it in such passages as 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, in which Paul wrote to Timothy, In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and propriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. We also find throughout God's word that those in those passages related to the fact that we are created in God's image, that we are to love God and have respect for ourselves, and that we are to love our fellow man. God's standard is concerned with what we wear on the outside because that is a reflection of what we are on the inside. God's standard in this area is different from that of the world, and yet the pull of the world in the area of dress is there, and it is very strong. Remember, what we wear on the outside is a reflection of what we are on the inside. Each small step away from God's standard indicates a little step in the direction of the standard of the world. And please let me tell you, and this is true in all areas, not just appropriateness. When you compromise the first time, the next compromise is a little bit easier, and the next one even easier. Eventually, we just start dressing like those around us because bit by bit, God has been rejected. Did you know that there are parents within the body of Christ who tell their children, you wear whatever you want, in direct rebellion against what the Word of God says? When such is done, the one doing the preaching is not the one being rejected. God is. So could we talk about many areas. What about recreation? How about television shows, movies, books we read, music that we listen to? What determines what we do in these areas? When we compromise, and in this arena compromise is very easy and it becomes progressively easier, 
It constitutes an acceptance of the world's standard and a rejection of God. I've found myself sometimes thinking, it's not too bad. Did you ever stop to think what that means? If it is not too bad, does that mean that it's a little bad? And if it is a little bad, does that make it okay? I think that it would be good for all of us to remember 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18 in all realms. Paul wrote, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We could go on and on and on in this line. But what it all boils down to is that what we must make is a conscious choice and continue to make it every day of our lives to follow God's standard and not that of those around us. To fail to do so is to reject God. We simply must decide, like Joshua decided, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Interesting things to consider. Thanks for listening.